You're tuning into the Real Estate Diversification Podcast, hosted by trusted and experienced real estate attorneys who are also seasoned real estate investors themselves. Are you ready to explore unique real estate investing opportunities? Ready to learn about emerging trends and new ideas? Your hosts will help you understand the practical and legal complexities of a myriad of real estate investments so that you can maximize your potential and achieve financial freedom. Now, listen in and get ready to learn. Get ready to learn. Welcome back, Red Podcast Nation. My name is Jonathan Gilmore. Today, I'm very pleased to have on the show a return uh, host, uh, Jay Heck. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the industrial asset class. And I'm excited to hear about it, uh, just like I know you are. Um, I'm going to be kind of asking Jay some questions, and uh, he's going to talk about his experience and kind of some of the, what I would deem the more topical questions in this asset class. So, Jay, welcome. Thanks for being on the show again. Um, maybe if you could just start off by telling us a little bit about your background in this area. Thanks, Jonathan. I've been an attorney for about 30 years, practicing almost exclusively in the area of real estate. And part of that experience is industrial real estate. I spent five years working for a national petroleum distributor that had locations, large and small, uh, storage locations, retail locations, distribution locations um, in 48 states and worked on purchases, sales, leasing of property for the petroleum company. And then more recently, I worked for one of the big four cell carriers, name that you would recognize. And for the first approximately four years that I worked there, I worked on tower transactions. And tower transactions are considered industrial real estate, They're kind of an oddball category. But and maybe that's a good time to talk about that. But a lot of times it, you know, what we call industrial, it's just a catch all that's sort of everything else. Right. It's not yep. residential. It's not retail. It's not agriculture. What is it? Well, it's industrial, right? Maybe purely by default. And I was thinking about this, and and th maybe this will il illustrate this for some people. If you talk about mining, right? You mining is industry. Yeah, it, it is. So if you think about a company that mines iron ore, right? That's an industrial use, but not a use that most people think about. And then. If they mine the iron ore and then process the ore, right? They have uh, in industrial look. This would be a traditional industry type thing. You know, big blast furnaces that process the ore and turn the ore into a semi-finished product, which is usually like ingots, which are just big blocks of iron or big slabs of iron, and then those slabs are then sent usually to a completely different facility where they're processed in, into some sort of finished or semi-finished product like pipes, structural beams, sheet steel. That would also be considered industrial. And so let's say that it turns into a roll of sheet steel. So you take that roll of sheet steel and that would go to, let's say, a stamping plant that would um, turn it into a finished product. I'm dating myself, but if you've ever seen Schindler's List where they they took sheet steel and then they put it on a press and they pressed it and they turned it into pots and pans and so forth. Well, that's a stamping plant. That's an industrial use. But say, let's say you're making car fenders, same sort of a process. They take, they cut the sheet steel, they put it in a press, they stamp it into a shaped form, and, and now you've got an auto part. Well, like I said, that's still industrial use. And then that might be shipped to a warehouse where it's stored 
in a warehouse until it's put into the assembly line for the automobile. The warehouse is considered an industrial use and the automobile assembly plant is also considered an industrial use. Then that fender that started out as iron ore is, is now put into an automobile. And when the automobile rolls off the line, they may drive that automobile to a parking lot that's near a railroad facility where they're gonna load that car and ship it across the country or perhaps potentially around the world. And that parking lot is probably by default because it really doesn't fit any other category, also going to be considered an industrial use, right? It's just outside storage of a finished product. So the broad category of industrial encompasses a lot of things. And, and my experience is in really just, you know, a couple segments of that very broad category, but I've, I've had a little bit of exposure to these things, particularly with the petroleum company, because the, uh, the, there's a lot of commonalities with this description of this process. I talked about the car fender. So that's, you know, that's what I know and how I came to know it. Okay. Well, Sounds like what you're saying is many steps of the supply chain are in the industrial asset class. That's, that's um, a really fast way of saying what took me about three, four minutes. To do, so, <laughs> no, it's yeah. good. I'm glad to use examples because I think a lot of people just, you might think Amazon warehouse, distribution center, you know, that might be some of the ones we talk about and people think exactly. from an investing standpoint, but there are so many areas in the supply chain that are under the industrial umbrella. Now I come from a, you know, single family development background, uh, multifamily, things like that. So some of these I haven't even thought about, but now, you know, kind of have the law hat on, you know, what are some of the you know key legal considerations unique to the industrial property asset class? Sort of a theme that's run through our podcasts, or at least the ones that I've been on is, is real estate in general has lots of commonalities, right? Just real estate as, a, as an asset class and different sectors, probably from a transaction standpoint, have more commonalities than they do differences. That you're gonna approach a lot of the things exactly the same and a lot of the ben benefits and responsibilities and burdens are the same as they would be in another class. So your background in residential development, you'd be familiar with a lot of the same issues that are gonna come up in industrial development. But the, and I don't know if they're purely unique, but the two things that jump out at you are zoning and environmental. Those, those are things that even a, most lay people would realize that's that's going to be a consideration when you talk about industrial development. Now, you have those same considerations in other property types, right? But industrial is an intense use, and so it, there's a lot of scrutiny. Then the locations where industrial uses are, if they have been traditional industrial uses, um, the, so there was a preceding industrial use, then that automatically makes you think that there's potentially an environmental, there's at least an environmental specter, right, that covers the property. So you want to yeah. make sure that, that that's examined. And then zoning is not so not necessarily so much of a problem. And I, I think we'll touch upon development of industrial property just briefly. The, um, but uh, the, obviously people are very sensitive, sensitive that acronym NIMBY, not in my backyard. Um, the, People don't want develop, you know, industrial development up next to a residential neighborhood. So you usually got in zoning, the industrials put off in a location sort of by itself. And, you know, classic locations for industrial real estate are things that are near uh, distribution routes, right? Highways, harbors, airports, railroads, all of those things. And, of course, the nice thing about those is those are all in also uses that typically are not amenable to residential development, say. So 